Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is going to sound crazy, but I'm going to take my bra off. <laughs> That's fine. You make yourself comfortable. So I don't often wear bras. I thought today I'd make an effort, but it's the end of the day. You know, whoop, whoop. I just, do you wear a bra? Yeah, I do, yeah. Do you? I yeah. just, I, these days, I'm, I literally never wear one. And now I find them so uncomfortable. Really? Mm. I think make yourself at home. Make yourself I comfortable. Will. I, I mean, I, yeah, I am. Especially for what we're doing today. Yeah. Get it all out. Get it all out. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh, dear. Um, what are we doing today? Well, I think things are a bit different today, aren't things they? Things are a little bit different today. I'm going to be... In the the hot seats, you're you're ta- you're interviewing me. I am. Well, we're going to converse. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a chat. We thought that today it would be nice to have a chat about Jaguar's career <laughs> and what she's been doing because it is amazing and it's worth speaking about. And often you're the one asking the questions, the one shining a spotlight on other people and other people's successes and other people's work. And today I thought it would be nice for us to shine a little light on all of your great successes. Oh my God. I actually, I'm literally dying. Like now I know how it feels when I do these intros <laughs> for people. I haven't even done your intro oh, no! I actually wrote one. I've actually written one. Okay. I'm a bit nervous to do this intro now. I feel like I've got to do it justice. Mm. I am so excited (laughs) to welcome today's guest into the studio. She's an award-winning BBC Radio 1 presenter. She's a killer DJ, a label boss and an industry change maker. You might know her for her killer selections and high energy feel good DJ sets or for her work improving dance music for the better, championing new artists, supporting women, trans and non-binary artists and speaking up for LGBTQ plus and black artists. One of my favourite DJs and a top gal. You might ask, how does she have time for all of this? I have no idea. Welcome to the studio, Jaguar. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Am I really one of your favourite DJs? Yeah, definitely. Much. I paid her. I'll give you the money later. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll slip yeah. you a fiver. One a lot a lot of I tell a lot of people they're one of my favourite DJs. Mm, you know that you do. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> no, that's that's very sweet. Very sweet. I thought it would be nice to take it all the way back to the start. Mm. You're from a place that not very many people are from. Yeah. Um, it's an island yeah. called Alderney. Good knowledge. Yes. Alderney is very it's a very remote 
place and I, what I've found is like people either have never heard of it which is most people and then you'll also have people like Lapsley of all people who are like yeah I've been there and I'm like how have, how have you ended up in Ordinary which is like in the middle of the channel there's 2,000 people and like no one really knows what it is you know I actually googled the population yeah it's 2,141 people yeah London has a population of 9.982 million <laughs> So I did some maths and that makes London 4,600 times bigger, <laughs> more than 4,600 times bigger than Alderney. So where you're from is, it's a tiny place, right? Yeah, it's 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 so small and it's like three miles long. Yeah. <laughs> and my, my parents grew up, uh, my parents moved over there when I was like six months old. My older brother was like three, four. So... Yeah, it's, it's a crazy place. And my, my school, for context, when I, like, when I, my school in Alderney, at one point there were, like, 30 kids there. Wow. So. That's, like, a class size. <laughs> That's a class. It, yeah. And actually, I, Some of my classes were bigger than that. Some of my classes at school were, like, 35 your kids. Your school was probably bigger than the population of where I'm from. Yeah, my college would have been. Mm, mine was as well, because yeah. I, I ended up going to school in England. But um, I was recently back in Alderney, literally last week, and I have to say... I really appreciate what it is and what it's given me and what it, how I can feel going back there. And I feel like yeah. nostalgia is a really powerful thing. I think everyone's relationship with Chip with it is different, but I have a really like positive relationship with going home and association. And I feel like for me going back this August was it's gonna sound lame but like really healing and like yeah. my, my spirit feels nourished and I felt really really good I'm really grateful to like be in nature see yeah. my childhood friends like cycle around because I still can't drive so I'm like cycling around my old haunts yeah. and like being with my brothers and there's these feelings and like smells of like certain flowers that grow there and like the like things that you know so well yeah how it can take you back to like being five years old is incredible um and it was a very unique experience, like going to school there. We were very, I was talking to my friend and about how it's kind of impacted and shaped us as adults now, like yeah. growing up in such a small place and, you know, playing outside was a big thing, climbing trees, like making potions, going to the beach. Like Aww. we were quite like, there wasn't much to do. Like you couldn't yeah. go bowling on the weekend or if you went to the cinema the films back then you'd probably get them six months later and you wouldn't get all the films you wanted to see so it's obviously very isolating yeah but I have such amazing memories of like playing games outside and yeah ordering all these amazing things and my imagination I feel like was really like, active active and like there was room to like use that because we didn't have much yeah maybe I can see actually how that kind of has like influenced you in a way of like you're able to see things in a creative way Mm. And like, I don't know, like make your own fun. Yeah, we we definitely did. And I often did. And actually, as I got a bit older, I remember, it sounds a bit sad. I don't know if maybe it was sad. I've, I do actually have also a lot of like loneliness when I think back mm. to my childhood. And I, I don't know, like my parents split up when I was three. My older brother, he went to boarding school when he was 11. So I was like seven. So I think... At the time, I think I definitely missed him a lot. And I think I remember, yeah, I do remember feeling lonely as well. Yeah. Weirdly. What kind of music were you listening to around this time? So music was... Music's that, a huge companion for people. It, yeah, it was a huge, a huge thing for me. I remember, 
I think my first like album, like CD, was it was probably either Gwen Stefani, Love Angel, Music Baby, or Black Eyed Peas, Ellie Funk. Oh, I love that album. But equally, I went through a huge Evanescence phase um, there. Wait me I remember like one side of the house was like my brother's bedroom and my bedroom, and then my mom was like the other side. And she, I used to have this like blue, this like electric blue like cd player Ugh, my pride and joy oh, loved it and i'd like put the cd on blast it all the way up and i'd be like screaming like eight-year-old me oh. rocking out to evanescence my mum would just like close the door was it probably one of those <laughs> was it one of those cd players you could like carry around with oh you? yeah oh those were the best and actually do you remember having a tape player i remember yes. having a tape player when i yes. was really small which is mad that that feels like it shouldn't have been in our lifetime i know it's crazy, we, isn't it? I did have a tape player. I also have a very fond memory of sitting in the bathtub, <laughs> listening to two songs. Mm-hmm. One, ABBA, Money, Money, Money. And the, <laughs> even now, and, and listen, I'm That's not... That's a great bath song. I know, song. it's bizarre. I don't know what compilation this was, by the way. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm, I do find ABBA quite, it does kind of like, it does kind of like destroy my soul a little bit. But that one song in particular, mm. I will be like, okay, twist my arm. God, I sound really cool, don't I? Talking about Abba 10 minutes in. But, and then the other song was Mulan Reflections. You know, when she's like, when will my reflection You know that song? I've actually film. never watched Mulan. Whoa. I really need to watch it. I know. Every time, I always get that reaction every time I it's, say that. I know I need to watch it's it. It's like the best one. It's, I personally think it's one of the best yeah. classic Disney films. So like, I guess what I'm trying to say is music, I did really, it did really like, affect me and I yeah. lo- I loved it and I clung to it and I found a lot of like inspiration and like love and stuff I lis- I'd listen to albums front to back read all the lyrics learn all the lyrics I f- oh my god I forgot about doing that with the CD you'd get the little in a CD booklet. you'd get a booklet at the front and you'd read yeah. I remember doing that yeah wow and it was on the back of that booklet it would say where you could buy the songs for like your phone as like a ringtone oh, or like do you remember yeah. that like the polyphonic version yeah yeah. Wow, times have really changed. They really technology's crazy the way it's it's moved. It's nice forward. to talk about those early times. Yeah. So like, I remember when I got an iPod, I think I think I was ten, I got an iPod for Christmas and it was like I was so excited because it yeah. felt like the cutting edge technology yeah, yeah. and burning all these CDs and I used to love like making all my playlists and like I think at one point I had a playlist for like every day of the week and then I'd have like my going to bed playlist, my gym playlist, Aww. my you know, and I was always the person because then I I actually went to boarding school when I was ten in like Hampshire because um, in the Channel Islands there's not really many options for school yeah. like I said there are 30 kids at my school so some kids either you all get up and move or some kids go to Guernsey and like stay with a family if you can like wow. go to boarding school there was a school that went up to GCSEs at the time on the island but you know my mum was like classic West African mum being like education it's so important so yeah that's what we did um, but at school my iPod was, it was the shit, man. Yeah. We'd have Tenacious D, we'd have Daft Punk, we'd have Timberland Shock Value 1, we'd have Avril, we'd have Evanescence. We it's had funny, it all. It's Kelly Rowland, um, Jamelia, Beyonce. We saw Kelly Rowland this summer as well, didn't we, and Jamelia? Oh, yeah, Mighty Hoopla was like, <laughs> again, it says a lot about me. Mighty Hoopla. was singing all of the words to Jamelia as well. The best thing about that Jamelia performance, and I'll say it of my chest, is she was meant to play for like 55 minutes, which is a long set at the best yeah. of times for any artist. Jamelia, she did about 25 minutes and then played Superstar. Everyone was like, wait! And she was like, 
Can oh, we do that again? We've got a bit of time left. Um, we're going to do Superstar again. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah. It was so good. Twice in a row. Yeah. That's icon. Babe. That was a highlight of the summer, actually. I think it's high highlight of the year for me. Yeah. Mm. I think um, it's funny what you were saying about um, playlists. Yeah. And like how much care we used to put into those. Because that's like... I mean, to make it a little bit wanky, that's like early curation, Taste isn't it? Tastemakers, darling. It kind of is, though. Like it, that <laughs> idea of like, even if it's just for yourself, mm. just like putting tunes together yeah. and like, I think clicking with a mood and an energy with music in a way, like, I think some people just don't connect with music in that way and don't have that emotional yeah. um, connection with it. So it's like, it's nice to hear that. And mm. I think also it's so tied up in, like you were saying about going home, like nostalgia, the way those yes. songs will just transport you back Always. is incredible. When did mm. you first start listening to dance music? So I think it kind of, so, my, so I have an older brother who I've mentioned, he's like my musical hero. He would love me to say that. But no, he's actually got <laughs> such a good taste in music. He's just good at everything. And he's he was obviously my hero growing up. He's four years older than me. Um, and I'd always like make him like, you know, I was that annoying sister. I was like, can you please like put all your music on my iPod? Like, can you do this? Can you help me with this? So like he put all his stuff on. So yeah, it'd be a mixture of like Kanye and then like Daft Punk and then like all these dance classics from like, you know, the like club, club land. And so like I'd have like, you know, Daft Punk, Armin van Helden, like kind of like trancey classics, like you know, ATB till I come. And I also, when I was younger, I used to go to the youth club in Alderney because my mum, for some reason, was the youth leader at one point. Um, so I used to go, I was like the youngest one there. And on, I just remember like that distinct memory of ATB till I come, like always being on, again, it was probably like now 43 or something. Yeah. And like loads of those, like Fatboy Slim, those like noughties, 90s tunes. And I feel like those tunes as well are very big in Audney because we also have like quarry parties and bunker parties which like are just events that we throw and there's lots of German bunkers in the Channel Islands from World War II so that's we have these bunker parties which have been happening probably since like the 90s I'm guessing I don't know um so I, I used to like I remember the first time I went to a bunker party I snuck out when I was 14 it's classic me it's like I'm, I'm just gonna sneak out no one will know it's 2,000 people on the island. Like, obviously, someone saw me and then to my, to my dad the next day was like, oh, you know, Jaggy was at the bunker. And then my dad was like, were you there? And I was like, I wasn't there. It was obviously so... And he was like, I mean... I know. Who I else know was it going to be? There, yeah. yeah. So, I, I, so I got into, like, dance music from, from a younger age, I would say. Like, it was definitely around, but I wasn't aware of, like, necessarily what it was, DJ culture, what, yeah. it, what it would mean to me and... Um, but I was like avidly just listening to so much music because I just loved music. But I'd say very contemporary stuff, you yeah. know. What was it like going from Alderney and boarding school, which I imagine was a fairly sheltered, was boarding school a fairly sheltered environment? Like, so quiet? I don't know. It was, it's a very interesting one. And, you know, I'm also very aware it's a very like privileged thing to do like it costs money to send your kids to a boarding school and like it's I personally wouldn't send my kids to a boarding school uh because I think it's good for some things and like I'm actually really lucky the first school I went to which is in 
um, this place called Leamington in, in Hampshire. It was a really small school. It was a really lovely school. Like everyone was very close. Had a lot of international students, which was really cool. Like there were kids from Spain. I had my friend Bundy from Nigeria and a couple kids from Zambia. And it was really cool. Like, cause I was from the Channel Islands, which is a very white area. But then at this school, I actually had black friends and like friends from, from all over, which was really cool. And like, I think at the time, didn't not aware of these things as like yeah. a 10 year old but it was actually very important to have those those bonds with with those kids and it was a really lovely school actually and so but of course you feel like you miss out like you miss your parents and then you're kind of at school on the weekends but then they would plan excursions you'd go to the cinema or you'd I don't know go play in the forest or something but I think it taught me a lot of things like when I went to the boarding school, I was 10 as a young age, right? And That's so young. I remember being painfully shy. Yeah. And actually, I spoke to a few of my friends at home and I was like, were you shy? Because a couple of my friends like moved to England when they were a bit older um, for schools and stuff. And they were like, yeah, we were really, really shy. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder if that's because we just didn't meet anyone <laughs> for like the first yeah. 10 years of our lives, really. I mean, I I just have, I went to just like a normal, normal school um, that is basically down the road from my house. Mm. And I remember being terrified to go when mm. I was 11. Like it's, it's scary when you're that age. So I can't imagine what it would be like to be put on a plane <laughs> and Off you go. go to an, like another country. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's really interesting. And I think, I think if obviously if things have been different, I think I would be very different now. Like you, I think it's like nature versus nurture. Yeah. But I think naturally as a person, I am actually very shy. And used to be introverted, but I've learned to be adapt extroverted behaviours. Yeah. And I guess I'm an extroverted introvert. I definitely have both qualities. I know how to use both. I can actually see that for you because I would mm. say you're very personable and chatty, but you're not necessarily screaming out for constant socialising and like constant attention. No. I mean, I, I can be a lot. I can be a lot, <laughs> but I I actually am quite shy. Yeah. And maybe difficult to properly get to know. I don't know. Am I? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We're too young to be able to answer those questions about ourselves. I feel like we're still learning those things. I don't know. Always. Always evolving. Yeah. Which is good. But what was it like going from Alderney and a life at boarding school to Leeds? I can imagine yeah. you went to uni in Leeds. I can imagine that was a massive jump was it yeah yeah so uh, I'm quite an independent spirit I would say and I think it's partly who I am and again part of my experiences but because I kind of essentially left home when I was 10 and then went yeah went to my first school then my secondary school which I wasn't really a fan of but got through went to college which I loved because there's more, more freedom from what I was used to of like boarding school college in Winchester <laughs> and then I just couldn't wait to get to uni to be honest like got through school I, li I like school I was a good I was a good student I was pretty obedient and like quite academic didn't do any creative GCSEs fun did you fact. not no I really wanted to do music but my school it was very like academic focus and also like unless you were like grade eight everything yeah or like they where was no they were, they were like oh you wouldn't you wouldn't be good at this or you wouldn't yeah which is ridiculous you shouldn't tell kids not to try something because I, I was kind of musical like I did do like piano 
early, early on, like, you know, and I'd like learn little songs on the piano. I used to write little songs and then I did learn the oboe for a bit. No way. I want to see the photo evidence. It was actually a horrible photo (laughs) that they put on the front of like the school flyer, probably to tick some diversity box. And it's like me, like full. (laughs) I was in the junior band, hated it. But I did like music and like, as I said, I was very affected by music. I was also obsessed with Final Fantasy X soundtrack, which is like the most beautiful collection of like um, classical music. And I, even now when I'm like stressed or anxious, I do still put on those songs and I used to learn them on the piano. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I didn't do any musical GCSEs. Um, and so I didn't know what, really what to do, but I did really enjoy English. Like, I loved, loved reading, loved writing. I d- used to write a lot creatively. I had a very cringe, like creative writing blog back in the day. I used to write poems. That's so why I thought maybe I'll be like a writer or something. Yeah. Um, you still hold some aspiration to write don't you like you still speak sometimes about maybe in like your later career writing a book or yeah I I really want to I've definitely been writing a lot more in my journals and like diaries and stuff because I used to again from the age as as young as I can remember I'd always write a journey but it would be like I fancy this person or like my mum's pissed me off but always always I write a diary as well do you yeah I do yeah how often do you write in yours? I go through phases, yeah. but it's pretty sporadic. Same. Like sometimes I'll do it like three days in a row and then I won't do it again for like six months. Yeah. I usually write in my diary when I'm feeling a bit shit and I use it as a way of like writing yes. those feelings yeah. down. And so reading it back is like not always that nice, mm. but then it's also not even necessarily like a comment on how I'm feeling in the like wider time. Mm. It's just how I maybe felt that day and I just wanted to get it out. And then yeah, it ends up being this like really depressing book of just like all of my worst moments. But then that is the stuff that we usually don't share with anyone. So it's like mm. nice to be able to express it in a way. Yeah. I, and I used to do exactly that. And I think as a teenager, you know, like I didn't really like my school that much. Like even just being like, bit, just even looking back, it's like, there's this thing that my like fellow therapist told me about called like my minority stress, which is like obviously says what it is on the tin, like being a minority in a situation causes yeah. all these extra like levels of stress. And I think going to like a school that was like quite pretentious and like academic and pressure pressure, but also like being like one of the only black people there. Yeah. And like, just, just stealing, just, just loads yeah. of things like real like misogyny and like just some of those schools are just very traditional, but in a very bad way. And I think yeah, I could feel it pressing down on me. I felt very constricted there, and I was, I just, yeah. Part when I was my friend with my friends, I was okay, but like, I didn't feel like I could be me. And like realizing that I was gay and like loads of things. Like I really relied on yeah. my diary for like my own introspection but also like expression I think anything that makes you feel different Mm. as a kid is really difficult and I think can make you feel very like lonely and isolated yeah totally totally see that um but back to Leeds Leeds sorry you started DJing at Leeds that was your first introduction to DJing yes so that's maybe where you started to really find your feet with a passion Correct. So I got to Leeds. It was my top choice because I heard the nightlife was amazing. And yeah, Love from, that. <laughs> from the age of 14, I was very passionate about getting drunk and going out. I didn't care what it was. Yeah. I was out there. I'd have still like a 
potion of of like whiskey, brandy, vodka, anything from like my dad or my mum's little alcohol thing, and it would take like, a little be, bit from each one. Yeah, yeah, you know they won't know. Yeah, yeah. and it would be like brown and then maybe like <laughs> top it off with like some red bull and off we go in a little water bottle red bull oh, i know yeah. disgusting but I used, I used to go out a lot yeah. like every in the summer i was wild like just out all the time i just I just liked it my know? best mate went to leeds <laughs> and it is just a playground like there's so many good mm. nights out there i feel like anything goes it's one of those places where people just let themselves get loose it is it's it's the city of dreams i think the size of it is really good it's not too big but then there's a real community within so many different aspects of the creative industry there's different loads of different universities and young people and the the artists djs musicians live music is all sick um so going there i did english literature and for some reason the first thing i did was i decided i wanted to try out radio I used to listen to like Radio 1 and stuff, but I'd never really thought, oh, I could be in the radio or on the radio. But my friend was like, you should try student radio. It's really fun. I did it last year. So I was like, okay. So literally day one of Freshers. Yeah. Walked in. I think I went Straight to like over. the classic like Leeds vintage kilo sale. And bought yeah. Loads of vin- you know what students are like. <laughs> Especially there's a certain yeah. look about a Leeds student. Yeah. Yeah. You guys love a vintage, like a plaid shirt or like a sports, bomber jacket. Bomber jacket, sports jacket. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. sports jacket. Yeah, yeah. always. Um, and then, yeah, I tried it out. Went to the thing, wrote my name down, applied for a radio show. And then I did a Friday night show called Dangerous Jag. Dangerous, Dangerous Jag. Um, every week. I, could, I was so excited when I got the, like, they were like, yeah, well, you can do a show. It was yeah. like nine, 9 or 10 p.m. on a Friday. And I'd go in and do it live. I'd like prepare all my notes, write a script, edit, listen back straight away, edit things and audition. Yeah. Um, maybe even Audacity at the time. I don't know how that program even works. But yeah, used to really loved editing audio. Then I would start interviewing people and I just got super into it. Um, and was just playing anything that I liked from like, I guess like dancey stuff because I was going out. I guess it was like 2013 at the time. So like, Disclosure things and like deep demands, Duke Demont, KTB, Kaiser. Yeah, I just yeah, I wasn't necessarily deep diving. Yeah. I was just maybe shazamming stuff on nights out and then yeah. just playing stuff I liked. Um, and my mum would listen and my flatmates would listen. And that oh. was it. That was it. Can you remember <laughs> the first time you played out somewhere? Like yeah. the first club night or house party or when it was. I do. So yeah, in terms of DJing, I properly learned to DJ when I'd say end of my first year. My friend Mo, sweetheart, taught me Love to DJ. Um, and we had decks at the station at Leeds Gym yeah. Radio. So that was really helpful. And then we got a gig. I think it was, I think it actually was the January of my second year. So maybe like 2014, let's say, start of the year. And it was me and him for this like student event. And this it was a big, it was like a thousand capacity club and we were playing. <laughs> and I think my mixing was a bit ropey, if I'm honest. But luckily he was there to like, sort of, you know, the hand of God, like yeah. jogging the jog wheel just to make sure it's in time. Yeah. But everyone was loving it. And like, it was really fun. And I was terrified, but because I was with him, I felt fine. Yeah. That was my first like proper gig, but my first proper solo gig was a night called Slut Drop in Leeds, which is like a <laughs> DIY collective. I know, so good. They're still going. They support women and non-binary 
um, and trans artists, uh, DJs, quite an experimental kind of bassy vibe, which I was what I was into at the time. Yeah. I started DJing on like bass and bassline and grime and garage and like just proper fun, fast, whoopy tunes. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's often still a flavour of that in your sets now. You there definitely... is now. I kind of did yeah. you move away from it and now it's come full circle. A I little did because when I moved to London in 2017, I was like on this mission to like make it or whatever, and um, I didn't. I was playing. I loved like that kind of side of things, like the more bassy stuff, and then I also loved like more traditional house and techno. Mm. And then I was working at Mix Mag at the time when I was a bit older, and then they were a lot more house and techno orientated. So I was kind of like more influenced to like follow. That and then just general trends, you know, it was yeah. more like disco house and ha- that's that. what was massive when yeah. I was at uni. Yeah, and like when I started DJing, it was all disco. Yeah, disco house. so I kind of went down that route. But now, in- interestingly, like there's obviously in terms of like the sounds I'm around and listen to, and like, especially for my radio shows, I'm literally on the ground of what people are making in the UK. And like over the last like three four years, it's been more murky and darker and garagey yeah it's been refreshing to so I've naturally just kind of gone back to that and it's fun because I genuinely love that kind of music it's actually funny how it like just a few years ago actually I like to think it was a few years ago but maybe it's a bit longer ago than that when I I was at uni Mm. but I mean not that long ago it was this like super sugary light disco yeah which I actually love it's amazing and now like that's it's the way it's flipped Mm. so in such an extreme way is quite yeah. interesting. I think I think there's a lot of things. I think like post pandemic, people want things harder, faster, yeah. more intense. The younger kids love jungle and like yeah. There's a lot of artists who've helped do that and yeah, and just th- just I don't know. It's exciting to see things change. Hundred like percent. I got a bit and... bored of disco house. And, yeah. and, and I and that's why Leeds was great though because they yeah. had like I remember we saw TQD at fucking. Beaver I went Works. to a TQD night when I was at uni. Yeah, on a and, Sunday and night. DJ EZ. DJ EZ. Wow. Yeah. Stuff like that was happening, but then you'd have like Good Life would do like with these student, and it would be like very disco house. Yeah. And I think yeah. disco house it died a little bit of a death when people were just. Like when people got so unimaginative with it that they were literally just taking a disco tune, speeding it up, speeding and it up, a kick and adding drum. a kick. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe like changing the bassline a little bit. But but yeah, I still feel very nostalgic for that sound. Yes. But yeah, yeah, I get you. But yeah, I'm glad things have moved on a little bit. I think. Yeah. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But you touched there on working at Mixmag. I think we skipped ahead a little bit from you leaving uni. I so what? So you? No, no, that's cool. But you, so you left uni with this like ambition. You said you were like desperate to come to London and make it, mm. all this kind of thing. What was next for you once you left Leeds? Well, was it the job at Mixmag, or was there something before then? No, it kind of it kind of didn't happen like that. It kind of all happened. <laughs> while I was at uni like again I didn't really know what I was going to do and this is if anyone's listening to this first of all well done you're listening to the right podcast but also <laughs> if you're listening to this being like oh I want to make it in it could be anything you want to be a chef you want to be a musician you want to be a DJ like don't be afraid of that dream and don't be afraid to try something and just give it a whirl and go with where go with the excitement and go with where the passion is because that's what I did I was like curious I was like I want to try out radio try that radio got a show and then was enjoying it and at the time the station manager of Leeds Student Radio Matt Tasker love you man he's a producer I think at Radio 2 it's so weird bumping into people you've known yeah since you were at uni it's so weird um but he was like there's a internship that the BBC do every year for Radio 1 and 1 Extra and you you should all apply for it so I applied for it when I was 19 Hadn't been doing, I've been doing radio for like six months and I was like, I won't get this, but why not? Give it a while. Give it a while. I love radio now. Um, I remember getting the interview offer through and I was like, oh my God. And I was going to go down to London <laughs> and do an interview and then give you a tour of a live lounge. So I did that. I was put up, your I'm, smart clothes put on. Little, I had a little um, leopard print jacket on. Nice. <laughs> it was like a blue, like a dark, it was, it was like my pride and joy at the time. That's so cool. <laughs> Um, I remember I was at Park Life the day before, which is like a rite of passage, I think, if you're like 18, 19, 20. Good. It's a good festival, but I like being on the other side yeah. now <laughs> of Park Life. You've than, earned your stripes now. I have. I've been a few times. But I remember being at Park Life and then the next day I had to get from Manchester to London. So I got a train at like 5am, got down there, did an interview. It was just like, just so excited to be there and like I saw Fern Cotton she was still on the station at the wow. time and we like had a tour of the live lounge and Sarah Jane Crawford was on one extra at the time she like waved at me through the studio and I just had the best time I felt so inspired and excited and I was like oh my god like even if I don't get this internship like this is amazing and I got the internship which was insane I hadn't thought it through I had to move to London for two months in the summer um it was a paid internship, so I basically just like stayed and stayed with my grandma for a bit, who lived in London. Um, and then I stayed in like some university halls in Finsbury Park. No way. Yeah. So I even now, I like, go past, I can walk past it, and I feel I remember that time, 2014, and like the internships was radio production, so you, yeah, it could be whatever you wanted it to be. I worked across like the one extra music team, like listening to loads of music, sitting in the playlist team meetings. You know, and I was like so excited and overwhelmed, but also their advice to us was like, anything you want to know, just ask, just go up to yeah. anyone and ask. That was really good advice because even now I do I ask a lot of questions all the time. And I think that internship gave me a lot of confidence and drive and being like, when it was over, I was like, I need to come back here. And I was 
I, I then made it my mission to kind of spend the next couple of years while at uni learning to DJ, figuring out what exactly kind of music I liked playing and how I could get back to that magical place that was the BBC. Um, and a few things happened. One Extra Live came to Leeds that that November, so I got to help out there. I was always emailing people. I was a hustler. I was like, yeah, I've made you have these, to be. You, you have, have to, to be. be. Yeah, I made these contacts and I was like, this is opening a door for me. Like, this is my chance. Um, Kick that down. <laughs> I did, yeah. And I, I really used everything from that and started building stuff and obviously it was helpful that I had BBC to my name so then I was starting to like you know get guests on and build sort of my yeah. my brand and I was taking it very seriously I think I wasn't really concentrating on my degree but it wasn't about the degree hey, it paid of off day. as well yeah I might as well have got a radio degree because I know a lot about radio now yeah from just doing it so you kind of fell in love it sounds like pretty instantly with radio well BBC radio yeah um, yeah, I loved it. So we are skipping a couple of steps here, yeah. but the day you found out that you had got your own Radio One show, yes, what, yeah, what was that like? So uh, it was a lot of things. It was something I've been working towards. I had been working towards literally since I was eighteen when I started student radio because I was like, oh, I want to be on Radio One, and then got to work there as an intern in production, and then it was like my dream. And I was quite vocal about it. I'd literally tell anyone. They didn't even have to ask me. I'd be like, by the way, isn't, I'm going to be on Radio 1. Isn't there a story of you and Harvey from Prosper? Yes, there is. Meeting and you being like, I'm going to present on Radio 1. And yeah. him being like, I'm going to be a big, music a massive musician. Producer. Yeah, yeah. I met him at Canal Mills, which was a club in Leeds on a night out. Um, we went to this after party. And yeah, he's got such an amazing energy about him. He's very, he's a very passionate yeah. person. Um, and yeah, we were just talking, it was like 7am and I was like, I just want to be a radio presenter, like <laughs> on Radio 1. He's like, yeah, and I see that and I just want to be, he's like me and my friend Gosha, like we make music, like we want to be like the next disclosure, like, you know, like make it as producers. Like, I was like, let's do this together. Yeah. And um, you have. Yeah. One of my first ever Radio 1 shows I did, I in Prosper were my guests and in, in the studio, but kind of working towards getting the show it was a long hard journey yeah to you know I, I started working with BBC Introducing in 2015 in Sheffield and then I was like the assistant with Introducing in London with like the central team who do all the festivals all the bookings like they're kind of the route between the Introducing brand and like the network Radio 1 1 Extra 2 6 uh, that's, that's kind of where they're situated so I moved down to London in 2017 after graduating to work with introducing which was meant to be for two months and I did this job for like five years <laughs> as the assistant from and I said the whole time I was like I want to be a presenter on Radio 1 and they were like we're going to help you do that alongside that I was had a show on Represent Radio in Brixton for two and a half years had people like Hi, La Fleur, Hot Sense 82 had all sorts of guests, Lala Back in the day, absolutely. Like, loads of people came on the show. Sirita. It was really it was really fun doing that. You're on Represent as well, so you know yeah. the vibe. Yeah, it's amazing. And I love doing Represent. Yeah, it's... Oh, the community radio is so important as well. And it's great to see a station dedicated to bringing up, like, young people and giving back and like, all the stuff they do with the brand deals and, yeah. and opportunities. It's so, like... Sherelle, Nana, Jam Supernova, Jerry, loads of people have come through. Cascade, Represent Radio, and it's just such an amazing place. So I have to shout out them. Um, so getting to Radio One was 
it was hard because I was working in production on the eighth floor of the BBC, seen as former intern, now assistant to introducing. And then there's me trying to convince them to let me, um, you know, speak on air. And it was hard because some people were pretty brutal. They were like, you're never going to do it. Some people were like, mm, I don't really see you as like a specialist presenter. Like, what do you actually know about music? Some people were like, oh, you're not like a big enough personality to do daytime. Had all these internal things and a lot of setbacks. And if I'd listened to them, I would never have got here. I probably would have like either stayed there and just done production and been unhappy. Or maybe I would have gone elsewhere. Maybe I would have joined a different station or maybe I would have just DJed. I don't know. But I just knew I had to do it. It was like my, it was like my daily goal from the age of 18 that's the first thing I'd think about when I woke up last thing at night everything would be fueled by that motivation of like I have to be on the radio which is insane I would hustle I moved to London 2017 I was at every event I was at Fabric watching panels I was out going to Phonox and meeting the DJs I was I was doing everything and introducing was amazing such a great nurturing place um, they let me do interviews at festivals and they let me host some of the stages and they were really supportive um, and introducing as well, whether you're like an aspiring presenter or a musician, like use the introducing platform. It's literally the place where you should send your music. It's free. And I think it's the best thing the BBC does. Yeah. Genuinely. Well, also, it's worth mm. saying that you came up with introducing dance, right? Yeah. That wasn't a thing yes. before you came along. Yes. For anyone who doesn't know, what is introducing dance? So introducing dance is my current radio show on radio one on thursdays at 10 and it's, it's it's literally me listening to all the dance tunes that come in from artists anyone can upload you just see the uk postcode and we'll listen to your music and you can get played and this radio show works so we have like networks of introducing shows from in Scotland and Northern Ireland and London and Manchester all over and then my show is kind of like a national snapshot of the best dance music coming through over the last three and a half years I've been the first person to play god like early Eliza Rose support like we had Eliza Rose and Elle could do a session on my show wow, and this is yeah. the first time I knew Eliza could sing because they did a cover of like Sweet Dreams this is like three years ago um Barry Can't Swim first person to play Hannah Lang um and like this is like consistent support and from my show I'm always sending stuff to the other dance shows or they can yeah. cherry pick and like Danny's always been really good at like picking stuff up and attributing it back to introducing it it's this whole ecosystem emily nash got her ministry of sound record deal i made her my first dance for a moment on the show lf system played so early on same with ewan same with talia oh god there's there's so many so many artists uh, yeah you can't jess even... bays or someone i really championed um that's too many to be honest it's I think, insane I think your show um it has created like such a community amongst young producers mm. um I remember when I went to your mix mag lab oh, and the number yeah. of people that were there who you've played on the show like uh that was actually the first night I met Meg Ward Meg, Sam Gerling was there Meg, the Tabasco boys Ken were there Andy, yeah um yeah. Jasper Tigner was there Jasper Kim, um, was Kimmy there? I can't remember if Kimmy was there, but there were so many people there. I feel yeah. like there's this 
real like community there's that amazing moment where you and Ken you played the limit and oh. Ken from Tabasco came up and you guys are just having it jumping up and down like loving it yeah. and um yeah I just was when you started the show like was it your intention to sort of create that community or has that just arisen mm. from doing it it's a good question I think naturally I guess with the context of who I am as a person and like I just love human connection I think it just naturally has become that. And I think also the success of the show is the timing. It launched in the pandemic, the start of the pandemic, and no one could go out. And also the show hadn't existed before. So there was a real need for this show because these there was no club scene and there were fewer opportunities for new artists to be heard in real life and on the radio. So... I think it was a part of that. Like it really was like a, it was a lifeline for me because I had something to do during the pandemic. But yeah, it's, it's, it is a community and I take it very seriously. Like one play genuinely can change someone's life. Like Barry can't swim as he's literally said so many times how it's changed his life being the early support because then other yeah. people then cotton on and then they can support you and then yeah. you can suddenly it's crazy the power of like network radio plays so yeah. I, I really cherish it and I love it and it's a real blessing to do that and I think the fact that you take it so seriously and treat it with such love and mm. passion I think really shines through and I feel like that's one of the things I love when I listen to the show is I can tell how much you genuinely love the music and how yeah. excited you are to share it and play it and I think that is one of the best things about radio isn't it yeah and I, DJing as well but. yeah and I just love radio I think it's such a intimate media medium yeah but um I want to talk about what you do outside of radio because yeah. that's only actually a portion of what you do which is crazy to say it is crazy isn't um it? it's mad you're also DJing all the time yeah um you have a label which I want to come on to yeah but I want to ask, just how do you find time for all of it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because you are DJing almost every weekend. I am. I'm. I'm. So this year I decided, because the last two years I found really difficult, if I'm honest. Like, being, like I'm 28 now. 27 was hard. I think last year I really was starting to fully burn out. And like from the pandemic is when I really like I've always been like a crazy worker and like super determined but I love it it doesn't feel like work but it does eventually wear down on you and like the pandemic where a lot of people stopped I really went into overdrive I was like overstimulated I had all these ideas I was doing all these projects like future 1000 like starting my radio show like I was going for it yeah and I loved it I have no regrets but I think and then coming like post-pandemic into back into normal life and I was like Utopia doing Utopia events like doing this podcast DJing doing the radio show trying to photo shoots interviews future 1000 launching a report about gender like all these things it really took its toll and I was feeling burnt out and shit to be honest by the end yeah. of last year but so this year I was like right I'm gonna scale back I'm gonna took out some gigs so I've been doing less gigs trying to do the gigs I really want to do yeah. that mean something that's gonna make me feel good but because I'm not just a DJ and like I can't what survive, like I can't run off DJing like two, three, four gigs every single weekend because Monday morning I need to be 
ready to go yeah. to run my label, to plan my radio show, to do this podcast, to run an event. Yeah, whatever it to is. To have time to... To literally live. <laughs> live, but also I do so many things and I thrive of doing so many things. Yeah. So I'm my own worst enemy. But how do I have time? I've learned to juggle. I've learned to prioritise and I've yeah. learned to really try and say no to things it's hard but I am better at saying no but also just learning where I get my energy from so like I do try and sleep in the week like I like to go to bed early like I'd like to be asleep by half past 10 if I can get my eight nine hours I like to I've been exercising this year I've been boxing which I really enjoy seeing my friends gives me energy yeah picking my moments when I'm gonna like have a drink or a party like I'm quite sensible like that which I'm glad about I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm just wired to be able to do this, but I I have learned from like hitting like quite low points my limit and where I don't want to end up again, so I have been trying to put things in place. I remember speaking to you over a couple of glasses of Prosexy <laughs> as we like to do um, last November and I remember mm. you just being like I've I'm I'm done. I was <laughs> yeah, November. But now see like how you are now, it does just it's like light and dark like you do mm. I mean I, I don't want to speak on your behalf but you do seem like you're in a much better place than you were then yeah yeah no thank you I I I am yeah I was I was really struggling and I think also you don't realize I think we said this with Tisha like when you're in it you don't realize how bad you yeah. can or what you're going through and also especially with the lives we live, which is so hectic, so much happening. Sometimes it's not you don't have t- you don't give yourself time to actually check in with yourself, yeah, and acknowledge how you're feeling because there isn't time to to breathe and be like, oh my yeah. god, I'm really depressed or like like I it just suddenly dawned on me like November, December, especially January, January, January this year, I really was struggling actually with my mental health and just. I felt lost. I didn't know if I wanted to do this anymore, like this career. You were talking about moving to Spain. I was going to move to Spain. I was going to like upheave my whole life. I didn't want to do this anymore. I was like, I'm not going to DJ. Because I I started to hate DJing as well. The first DJ gig I started to, I enjoyed, was the Mix Mag Lab in January. Since like maybe summer last year, probably like six months of just, it was making me feel shit. I was like, and I was like, I'm a bad DJ. People hate me. No one wants to come see me. I'm not good enough. And it was like spiraling down. And then I was like, yeah. had to ask myself, who am I? Like, who's Jaguar, the person? Who's Jaguar, the DJ? Like, am I actually happy doing this? Yeah. You know, I had to like push everything aside. Especially when you're doing something that's so um, aspirational. Mm. I think it's hard to actually like question whether it is what you want to do because it's like oh Mm. I know a million people would love to do this but like shit like do I actually want this (laughs) yeah and I think also a lot of those things as well are like things that unless like someone is like close to you they would never realize like from the outside everything you were doing was like Mm. amazing and it's only when you actually say like no I feel shit that yeah anyone has any idea but then it's so hard to say that yeah I think I felt like I 
well, first of all, I didn't want to admit that I wasn't feeling okay. And two, yeah, I felt I felt like I should feel great because yeah. this year I've done a boiler room and I've launched a report and like I've I'm financially great and this has happened and yeah. but I was like I feel the I've never felt I'd never felt so depressed in my life. Like I didn't have joy. It wasn't bringing me joy. I felt squashed. Like the word depressed literally means like you're being something's pressing down on you and everything's like dark and and I wanted to just like crawl up into a ball and like have the duvet over my head and just like sit there for a few days like that's how I want that's what I wanted to do that's how I felt and I really had to accept that and kind of hit that low point and this year I've gone into it like I've been doing therapy and just addressing a lot of things like exercising like just trying to do things that will help me and I've really you know eight months on well, as we record this I, I'm feeling the best I felt in a long time and it has been very up and down um but the Mix Mag Lab in January was one of the best moments of my life and career because I was coming out of a very bleak time and it was I was excited about something for the yeah. first time in a long time you know? That was, I, and I genuinely do mean this, hand on my heart, that was one of my favourite sets I've ever been at. <laughs> the energy in that room was just like, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah, It was so much fun. I remember like the set coming to an end and just thinking, I want another two hours. Yeah. Of, I, want, I want another two, three hours of that. Like it was, it was such a moment. I think for everyone there, like mm. sharing that with you as well, like it really did feel like that. And I think also like, well done to you for for getting yourself back in the place that you're in now because it mm. it's it's hard like it's, it's hard. really really hard and you've um you're back <laughs> I hope back, anyway baby. I hope yeah but. no thank you I that set was because yeah I, I didn't I forgot to mention it earlier but I did work at Mixbag for a long time I started as an intern then I was the weekend editor then a freelance writer and I was hosting the labs from like 2017 18 19 yeah, and then pandemic hit, so I stopped hosting. But I, if you watch any of those labs, I'm like <laughs> awkwardly doing spot a mini jaguar. Yeah, just like Ooh. yeah, um, but amazing presenting experience. Like some of my early ones are so bad, and I want like to apologise formally to any of those DJs <laughs> who were like, well, she got my name wrong and said all the wrong things. But anyway, you've got to learn somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that lab, I just remember. I'd done a lot of prep. I got my makeup done before. I had this bought this dress. With, I was like, I want this to be iconic, and I want yeah. to feel like a princess and I felt ready there were nerves but I felt like I've got this yeah I think because I'd done a boiler room the year before so I was like I know I know the deal for a stream I remember getting that early having a little mix and then they're like okay people are arriving now so I went upstairs and then mad cues as well my manager I only just got in, I yeah think. Owen was like outside you it's like a queue out the door and round and yeah. like, I've worked a mixed bag for a long time I've never seen cues like that like it's insane. And then, yeah, Owen was like grabbing people he recognised so they could all get in. Yeah. Like friends and family kind of thing. And then some people didn't get in, which is insane. Like, even that yeah. is insane. I'm so humble and appreciative for everyone who queued to try and, to come in or whatever. And then I remember like being upstairs, had a little glass of Prosexy and then they were like, right, it's go time. Went down. Had a packet of cheese and onion crisps. Oh, always. Actually, <laughs> salt and vinegar McCoy's. There you go. Have, you know? <laughs> Went down vast was warming up and kind of like the sort of sea of people like parted and then I felt like I was in a film like there was like a spotlight on me and I was like walking down the lights were all blue and I was like got to the thing and I was like okay 
okay, I saw a few faces, friends, family. Yeah. My cousin was actually stood next to me. And I just felt so supported. Yeah. I felt so supported. And I felt like this is for all of us. I was like, this is a moment to celebrate you all because I played so many tunes of people in the room who were there. The whole set was like me in a nutshell, but also like it was it was for everyone. And yeah. even though it looks great on the videos and like the TikToks, whatever, but like you can never replicate that feeling and that atmosphere. And genuinely, yeah. I go back to that place. If I need to, if I feel sad or anything, I will always remember the appreciation and the support and the love for everyone and that we're all exuding yeah. from our pores in that uh, that mixed mag lab. One of the greatest sets I've ever been to, as I say, mm. and I've been to a lot of good sets. Oh, so Thanks, babes. Yeah. On to another big thing where you're focusing your energy right now. The label. Yeah. Talk to me about that. So you launched that earlier this year. Yes. The Utopia, Utopia label. Sometimes you hear the tunes on this podcast because we got the rides, baby. Yeah, baby. You've yeah. hosted artists like Van Damme, Drea, Louis Lennon, Ghost, 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 Junior Simba. Mm. You have upcoming releases with some very big artists. Yeah. Do you want to drop some names? Yeah. I mean, they'll probably be out, I imagine, by the time we record this. Flavor D and Paige Eliza got a tune missed over me which is so good and Mel C that is insane is has been working on a remix of Spicy which is a Spice Girls techno song Mel C who I've been trying to get the tune to for months pretty much all year banging on doors setbacks no she doesn't like it no go away who are you I'm gonna block your number stop stalking me <laughs> kind of thing jokes not really um, the restraining orders in the restraining post restraining order on your I got the tune too, Miss Melcy, and she. I was tagging Again, her. Again, hustler. That <laughs> is that is a hustler. You can't say I do not hustle yeah. because I, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I will do it. Yeah. All right. I will do it. Got the tune to her, and then she was like replying to my DMs and commenting, being like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Sent the tune. She started playing it out, and then I think I was on the way to Glastonbury, and she was like, "Babes, I want to remix this tune," and I was like. <gasps> And then she's been working on a remix and I actually, I got it back. And it's like the most insane, insane remix. It's like, it's like the prodigy have like reworked the tune. I, I didn't think she'd go, like the original is heavy, what Ghost did. And it's gone heavier. It's insane. I played it at Boardmasters and it was insane. Wow. So I'm hoping we can get that over line and out on Utopia. I love that what you started a label like less than six months ago oh. and you've already got a Spice Girl releasing with you that is that is crazy mm, but what, what made you want to start the label um I, it's something I wanted to do for a long time it felt like the right time it felt like the final piece of the puzzle in terms of utopia so now we've got the club night we've got the podcast and we've got the label and it just kind of builds into being a community which is how I see it and and there's just so many aspects of utopia that just make sense to like me as a person i think bringing people together championing people bringing people up like trying to be that plug to like help people out and like, i want to kind of continue supporting new artists in general and i don't know it just it just made sense and I've, yeah. i love every single tune genuinely of my whole heart like a lot of them i've been playing in my sets over the last few years and now we're able to release them and like give them their flowers. And a lot of these are the artists, their first label signing or yeah. or it does a lot of things for them. You opened your Mixmark Lab with Van Damme, didn't you? Open with Van Damme. I've played 
Drea has been played in almost all of your sets. I know. Yeah. I remember <laughs> you playing Drea's tracks in Ibiza. Yeah. And she was And there. that was so fun. It yeah. Was, I just, I love that girl. And I love, she's great. People should pay attention to her. And I think she's, I really think she's going to have yeah. a big impact on dance music. Just music. She's music, like, yeah. weirdly, like, weirdly, she is, she really is like musically so talented, knows her stuff knows her vision and her focused as well focused, like yeah and just good energy we love Drea. shout out to Drea yeah. yeah um but I could say the same for all the artists yeah to be honest um and there's some yeah I'm always I'm always looking for stuff I'm kind of I'm not releasing too much stuff I'm kind of like cherry picking and kind of approaching artists that I'm already talking to and yeah. every release is different musically but it's just reflective of my taste and pretty much all of them are like club fun club tunes with a little twinkle I mean, we've gone everywhere in this I know. episode. We have. I've really enjoyed it. So thank you for being so open and speaking about so many things. Because I know you did say to me, I just can't ask you any maths questions. So we did Is go. Is there a surprise maths we, question? There's not a surprise maths <laughs> question, but we did go to a lot of places. I mean, you, you've spoken really openly about your mental health, about your past. I didn't speak about the Veronica's for once. You Did we not speak about the I thought you got to get them in at the end. Listen, we've got a whole segment in the Pretty Girl episode. Yeah. So if you <laughs> want to hear about Veronica's, it's about 30 minutes in. I still feel like there's so many other things that we could talk about right now. There's yeah. a whole load of stuff, but we'll save it for another day. Another day. Um, <laughs> just quickly, what is coming up next for you? God. Um, you know what? This is the first year as well where I haven't been too bothered about what's next because I'm yeah. always like what's next what's next what's next yeah I want to do all this stuff now <laughs> and I was like start of the year, I was like I just want to enjoy this year not have a breakdown <laughs> enjoy DJing <laughs> and grow utopia and those things I have all done this year which has been incredible and it's been my favorite year work-wise because I felt in control and I felt at the top of my game and I felt fulfilled uh so in terms of what's next more of that and I just want to keep growing the vision, the community, doing nourishing soul uh, shows, meeting amazing people and just connecting with people in every single way. You know, that's what broadcasting is, isn't it? It's like sending out a message and like receiving yeah. stuff back. And I just want to do that and continue in this vein because I really feel happy and I'm just having a good time. I am a bit tired, but, you know, you can sleep when you're dead, right? Exactly. You can fuel yourself on four coffees a day or whatever you're oh doing right now. Oh, my God. Yeah, maybe slightly less cup of coffee, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Utopia Talks is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.